Welcome to the UP Tech Talk podcast, coming to you from the new Academic Multimedia Studio on the University of Portland campus, produced by Academic Technology Services, with your hosts, Maria Erb and Sam Williams. Thank you for joining us for UP Tech Talk. This is episode four, and we have with us Dr. Alice Gates, Assistant Professor of Social Work at the University of Portland. Thank you for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Alice, we're so glad you're here today, and we wanted to ask you about your Academic Technology Roundtable project from last year, which was introducing technology into a technology-free zone. What led you to want to do that? Well, the title of my project, I think, reveals a lot. So when I first started teaching three years ago at UP, I was actually kind of excited about the fact that students didn't automatically bring their laptops out, and they were taking notes by hand, and that I could see a lot of benefits to that. I felt like their attention was on the front of the classroom. I appreciated that, you know, as a new professor. But I also was starting to get curious about what was happening in other people's classrooms, what was happening in classrooms across the country. And I started to feel like my position was, um, my position of no technology was not very well informed. So in conversations with Sam, we talked about some different approaches and I decided I, I needed to kind of stoke that curiosity. And so we came up with a project, a couple of projects, but um, one of the central ones was to use video in my social welfare policy class. So yeah, the impetus was really, you know, I was curious. Uh, I had a sense that there were creative ways to use technology to actually enhance my teaching, that it wasn't just going to be a distraction, which I think was my initial fear. Now, we mentioned recently that you went from zero to a hundred in like two seconds. Um, You went from no technology to implementing several and trying out several things. Was there something that um, you found really worked well for you in the classroom? I know you tried Nearpod briefly um, and then the video. Was there something that really stood out as something that you're going to replicate moving forward? Well, I think a few things, um, a few things helped at the beginning. When I started using Nearpod, which is a a web-based presentation uh, program, I was really clear with the students that it was an experiment and they were really open to trying something new and they appreciated my being transparent with them about, you know, what was going on and, and I got their feedback. So I think, you know, maintaining that interactive approach, really thinking of it as a, you know, it's a relationship in the classroom between instructors and students. And so I tried Nearpod for a while. Uh, it, it didn't work for me yeah. so well. And I think, you know, again, it was based on if students had loved it and I was struggling, I would have figured out a way to make it work. But I think there was a pretty big learning curve on both of our parts. And so I decided to go back to what I had been using before. So I think not being afraid to try new things, make mistakes, experiment a little bit. And yeah. Yeah, there's definitely that fear of failure um, when trying out technology. But I think the way that you approached it was very healthy um, in that, you know, especially communicating to your students that there's potential for problems and we're just going to get through it together. So I, I just, it's an example of um, you know a fun project that we've seen on campus um, in terms of the faculty coming back and not being um, 
um, traumatized by the experience. Right, right. So you implemented a really huge storytelling project for your class. Can you tell us something about that? Sure. The, fr- the idea for the storytelling, the digital story project, came out of discussions with Sam about how is media being used and how was video being used in my field. And it seemed like a natural connection uh, with my policy class because part of what I'm teaching them is how do you analyze policies and then how do you advocate for them. So there's a political component and if you know you open your eyes and look around, video is everywhere in politics and in lawmaking. So it was really uh, sort of a, a natural next step. And the project, I wanted to you know maintain the academic rigor of the assignments in the course. But then also, I knew that I I didn't want to evaluate them on their technical skills. And a lot of these are skills I myself didn't have. So I felt, you know, ill-equipped to make that a huge part of their grade. Uh, So the way that I designed the project was to to keep the the portion of the course where they were learning the, the skills and they were learning how to analyze policies and develop a position, write a persuasive policy brief or policy analysis. What what I did was have them compress that assignment into probably, you know, two-thirds of the time that it would normally take in the class, which left us, I think, within the first week, they had to make a decision about the policy they would analyze, form groups, since I did I didn't want to have 20 individual video projects. Um, so they developed their ideas, did the research, wrote the analysis, and then by week five, I think they were starting to you know, design the kind of video they were going to produce, started filming by week six, I think. So it was, you know, it involved a lot of reorganizing of assignments, but again, with an eye to to keeping the heart of the assignment, which was really understanding an issue and learning ways to communicate it to a public. Well, that sounds like such a jam-packed schedule you had for them. How did they handle that? They were very excited about the project. I think, you know, one of the ways that I started was to ask them to think about what is the role of video in their lives. They watch a lot of video, whether it's YouTube or you know they're making their own videos on their phones and sharing them with friends, family, through social media. And so I think I didn't have to sell them on the importance of you know channeling video into a new domain into policy analysis and it was really easy for me to look at examples bring examples into the class of how uh, advocacy organizations were using video so they were just a good group of students and very amenable Um, I guess you know there it was challenging for them to jump right in because students tend to ruminate about things and so I pushed them. I was also pretty flexible in terms of you know, changing deadlines when I saw that the whole class was not uh, able to make those, those deadlines initially. I also got a lot of support from 
um, academic technology services and instructional technology in the digital lab. So that made it a lot more manageable. And I think it, it, I watched students' anxiety levels diminish the more skills that they got and the more they realized they were going to be supported through the whole process. I think it would have been different if I just sent them out there and said, make a video. So I tried to provide, again, even though a lot of these skills are really new to me, a, a supportive environment for them to complete the project. So did you have um, the library come into your class or did you have people from from the um, ATS department or did you have people come into your class to assist as well or was it in the students own time? We actually went to the digital lab. So I had 20 students in the class, which made it more manageable to take the whole class at once. So starting, I think, week three, we got an orientation to the equipment, and Jose and the digital lab went over some techniques for interviewing, for you know how to get high-quality video, audio. And then for every, I think, we spent six or seven Friday classes, which is 55 minutes uh, times six, in the digital lab working. So it was a way for them to have dedicated time since putting students in groups can also mean that they're struggling to find time outside of class to meet. So I said, let's just do this as part of our three hours a week uh, as a class. It also gave me a chance to observe what was going on, both in terms of the products they were making, but also the process, making sure that people were participating equitably to the extent that I could. And the results that you got, were you um, very impressed, more than you thought you would be? Yeah, there were uh, pieces of the, the, I mean, the students produced four, I think, excellent videos, and they covered a range of different policies. Some students picked policy issues that were much harder to even research at the beginning. So there was a group that was looking at policies affecting transgender individuals. There aren't very many policies, and so the issue is actually, what are the policies that we need? Where do we see policy making a difference in the lives of trans folks? And so, I mean, they came at the project with a different, different sets of challenges. In each video, I saw just a ton of work going into it. Uh, they learned a lot. They learned about production and the challenges. There was one group that did interviews with three people, and they had to throw out two of the interviews because the audio was so, it was such poor quality, and they were heartbroken. <laughs> and But that's part of the, I mean, I emphasize, you know, this is a process-oriented approach, and so that's part of learning how to do this. And, you know, they brought that lesson to the whole class, so everyone benefited from it, even though it wasn't reflected in the final video. So the videos are these great artifacts of, of a process that really represented a lot more learning than you could capture in the four or five minutes that they produced. So was there um, a difference in um, the amount of information the students were able to cover? Was there um, just a, did they go into more depth into the subject than they normally would have? I, w I would say that they were forced to actually pick a focus of their, so the policy brief is a more general analysis. This is the, the product that they had to write prior to doing the video. 
So they had to cover, you know, disadvantages of a particular policy, advantages, what are the intended and unintended consequences of policies like this. So for the video, they really had to figure out how can we communicate this. So in, I would say, almost every case, they figured out a way to sort of to hone in on a particular perspective. So in the, I was mentioning the video about policies affecting trans individuals, they used an interview as sort of the focal point for that video. So it was someone's story, and it was told you know, through an interview, question, answer. Uh, but that, you know, I think made it much more effective. In other cases, the students in uh, the Dream Act video, students engaged a lot of people on campus just in asking and answering a question, do I look illegal to you? And I have thought a lot about how just in the process of engaging people, you're engaged in policy practice. You have to explain this is what we're doing and why. Do you know what the DREAM Act is? Um, so there's activism also built into the process of creating these these projects. And how will this experience uh, it affect the way that you teach the course in the future? Well, I think, you know, if the name of my ATR proposal was introducing technology into a technology-free <laughs> zone, I now am really, I, I welcome it. And um, how I do this project in the future, I'm not totally sure. Uh, some of it, I think, for me, still depends on the class size because it is intimidating to think about doing this with a group of 30 or, or more. Um, but I'm very open to it. And I think the one of the benefits that you know we've discussed is that students became much more critical consumers of media. And so I, whether or not they create their own project, I want them to, to understand that everyone has a point of view and that you're seeing, or you know, whether it's reading or watching a video or listening to a news story, that people are bringing that perspective and that, that subject position. So that's the thing I'm most excited about is I think it really taught them critical thinking skills and something, video is ubiquitous, but I don't think we watch it necessarily with the same kind of critical eye that we might read a text. Well, it's really good to see that you were able to, we always talk about embedding different things inside our curriculum. So you're able to embed technology in your curriculum. You're able to embed media literacy in your, in mm -hmm. your curriculum on top of policy and everything. So I definitely applaud you for um, taking on that challenge of, like I said, zero to 100 in, in two seconds. But um, it's definitely been a fun project to watch um, during this time. Um, well, thank you for all of your support. I never would have even dared to try this without the great support I've gotten from ATS. Well, it was a terrific project, and it was great to hear about it again. Great. Thanks so much. Yeah, so we'll look forward to additional projects in the future and fun things coming out of, um, of your department. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Alice. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the UP Tech Talk podcast. Just a reminder that we post a new podcast every Friday morning, and you can find us at techtalk.up.edu.